You're listening to a message from Highway Church entitled Year of the GPS, Part 8. Enjoy. All right, we're talking about in 2015 uh, being led by the Holy Spirit in our lives. And we know there are a lot of different reasons why we can make decisions. We all have decisions that we make every day. And we can make those based on what we've been through. We can make them based on what people have told us. Or we can make them based on the promises of God and the witness of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And I want to encourage you, starting today, to begin to make your decisions based on the promises of God and based on the leading of the Holy Spirit in your lives. We have a relationship with God, not a religion. I gave up religion about 26 years ago. So glad I did. And I entered into a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And in this relationship, he's leading and we're following. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right? He's our shepherd. Therefore, we shall not lack, right? He's leading and we're following. Now, in in a shepherd-sheep relationship, the sheep don't come together and strategize and then bring the plan to the shepherd, right? Wouldn't that be funny? No, the shepherd's leading. The shepherd has the plan. So we want to follow God's leading in our lives. And many believers are frustrated in their daily lives because they're making decisions based on their own reasoning or based on what they've been through or based on what other people have said instead of the leading of the Holy Spirit in their lives. When God leads you, there will be provision. There will be peace. There will be strength. There will be joy. All of these things come as we follow Him. Last Sunday, we looked at the promise of the Father. It's something Jesus told His disciples about. We looked in Luke 24 and Acts chapter 1. He told them after they were born again, He told them to wait for the promise of the Father, which He also called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And we saw Jesus said that they will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes, when they're baptized. We saw that God wants us to live our lives with His power. So we're living our lives in His strength, not our own. Very important, right? We're relying on His strength. His strength is infinitely greater than than ours, right? So He wants us to live our lives in His power, not in our own. And we saw that the disciples in John chapter 20, although they received the Holy Spirit, Jesus said, receive the Holy Ghost, they were born again. He told them also to wait for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So you can be born again. The Holy Spirit is living in you, right? When you put your faith in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit makes your spirit brand new. And he begins taking up residence, living in you, right? So you're now the Holy Spirit's address, okay? But you may not be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And that's we're, we're clearing up confusion on that, okay? So let's, let's learn more about that today. Then we're going to give you an opportunity to do it. We're going to look at some examples of people in the Scriptures who were born again, but were not baptized in the Holy Spirit. And we're going to start in the book of Acts, Go to Acts chapter 2, and let's pray. 
Father, we thank you so much for this time together to lift up our voices and our hands and worship you and bless your name, to put our trust in you, to receive from you corporately what, we, what you have for us, to receive from you individually what you have for us, and to go forward together into your destiny for our lives. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for ministering to each one of us, for healing broken hearts today, for restoring people and putting lives back together, for making people whole right now. And we, we depend on you to open up our eyes, to open up our ears, to receive what you have for us this morning. We're attentive and we're ready and we embrace you for you are our God and we thank you for it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, Acts chapter 2 is definitely one of the most important chapters in the entire Bible. Why is that? Because Acts chapter 2, we see the birth of the New Testament church. And the standard for New Testament believers is set in Acts chapter 2. There's something in Bible study, if you, it will help you as you're studying the Bible, there are principles that you can learn that will help you understand the scriptures. And one of them is called the law of first mention. And the law of first mention basically says that the first time a word or a subject is spoken or appears in the Bible, it gives the meaning and sets the standard for that word or subject in the rest of the scriptures, okay? Let me give you an example, the word love. Where is the first place the word love appears in the Bible? Does anyone know? The word love. It's actually back in Genesis chapter 22. Let's put it up on the screen. Stay in Acts chapter 2. We'll just give you these on the screen here. This is the first time the word love appears. The first time something appears in the Bible, it sets the standard for it for the rest of the scriptures. Let's look at Genesis 22 too. Then he said, this is God talking to Abraham about his son. He says, take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love. First time it appears. And go to the land of Moriah and offer him there. So the first time love appears in the Bible is not in the context of two friends shaking hands. It's not a mother holding her baby. It's a father sacrificing his only son. Do you know any other father that did that? God the Father, right? God the Father gave his only son. Here, this first time now sets the standard for what love is. It's all about the Father giving His Son. That's how we understand love, and that's how we grow in love. Okay, so that's one example. Now, we're talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Okay, the biblical evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is speaking in tongues. Where is the first time, or who's the first person in the New Testament to mention speaking in tongues? Anybody know? Was it Paul? Peter? John? No. A man by the name of Jesus. Let's look at that. I'll put it on the screen again, you, or you can keep your finger in Acts chapter 2. Let's go to Mark chapter 16. 
It's so important in our relationship with God that we don't believe something just because a pastor told it to us. That we don't believe something because the church we grew up in told us something. It's so important that we look to Jesus for truth because he is the truth. So every time he speaks at Highway Church, we're all over it. We wrap our arms around it. We grab a hold of it and embrace his words as the truth that they are. So we're talking about a subject, as we said last week, that there's a lot of confusion about. And there doesn't need to be because the scriptures are very clear. But let's look at Jesus and see what he says. When you look at Jesus for answers, the confusion dissipates because he's very clear. Okay? When we go to the scriptures to answer our questions, the confusion leaves. All right, when you go to man, oh boy, he's got all kinds of things he has to say, and many times they're not in line with what Jesus said. So we're talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Look what Jesus says. Now, this is the risen Jesus talking in Mark 16. Did I say 16? Mark 16? He's risen from the dead already. He's appeared to his disciples for 40 days, and he's getting ready to go back unto the Father, and now he gives them the great commission. All right, in Mark chapter 16, he says to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel. That literally means the good news, right, to every creature. And now he's going to tell us what the gospel is. We don't want to come up with our own gospel, right? Why? We wouldn't, we, why would we do something like that? It's all, Jesus has got it. His is the gospel. He's given it to us. So here's the gospel. Are you ready? He who believes, so it starts with faith, doesn't it, right? He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. So you notice it doesn't say he who does not believe and is not water baptized will be condemned. Right. doesn't say that, does it? The emphasis is on believing. Remember, there are three baptisms the New Testament teaches. The first is faith in Christ. Baptism into Christ by faith. When I put my faith in Jesus, the Holy Spirit joins with my spirit, makes my spirit new, and I'm baptized into Christ, regardless of whether there's any H2O around. All right? That's the, that's the baptism Ephesians talks about. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. Okay, the second baptism, well, not necessarily the second, but the other one is water baptism. And the third is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus is talking about faith in him. He who believes is baptized into me will be saved. And he who does not believe will be condemned. But he's not done yet. Okay, he's still defining the gospel. Verse 17 goes on. And the reason I bring that out is because American Christianity has diminished the gospel. And they give people a little tiny bit, and what they tell them is, you need to believe in Jesus so when you die, you'll go to heaven. And that's their gospel. That's not Jesus' gospel. That's not Jesus' gospel. This is Jesus' gospel. Of course, if you put your faith in Jesus, heaven is your home. And yes, when you die, you're going to go there. But he came that you would have life and life abundantly today. So Jesus is giving us the gospel now, believing in him in 17, and these signs will follow those who believe. So we're supposed to preach this around the world, right? Amen. 
put your faith in Christ, and these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they'll cast out demons. That's a part of the gospel. They'll speak with new tongues. They'll take up serpents. If they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. And they'll lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Sounds like a powerful bunch of people. Right? That's the gospel. According to Jesus. Not according to Joseph. Right? We don't want Joseph's gospel. We want Jesus' gospel. But notice at the end of verse 17, if you go back there, Eden. The first two signs he made says they'll cast out demons and they'll speak with new tongues. Now, what is he talking about? All right, now let's go to Acts chapter 2. And let's look at what the gospel that Jesus just prophesied. Because remember, he said that, then he ascended into, into heaven, and they had to wait in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit came. And the period of time between Jesus ascending and the day of Pentecost, some say it was seven days, some say it was ten. It's about a week, okay? So they were being obedient to Jesus, and they waited, about 120 of them, to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And here they are, about a week after Jesus has ascended and given them the Great Commission. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire. And it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. The New Living Translation says, as the Spirit gave them this ability. The New Century Version says, by the power the Holy Spirit was giving them. Hmm. On the day of the church's inception, perhaps the most significant day after Jesus' resurrection, the first sign in the gospel that Jesus prophesied before he ascended was what? Speaking with other tongues. It's the very first one. How significant is that? Extremely, (laughs) very, very significant. The church began speaking with tongues. That means languages, new tongues. He meant new languages, speaking in a language that you don't know in your brain, that you haven't studied. It's it's a supernatural thing. We're going to explain that in a little while here. But the church began speaking with tongues on the same day it came into being. Now, who orchestrated the day of Pentecost? Who planned this? Was it Peter and John? Did they say, hey, let's start a new church and let's do something really wild. On first day, let's start speaking with tongues and just really, God the Father orchestrated this, right? This was the promise of the Father that the prophet Joel 
talked about. Joel, and, right? And all throughout the Old Testament, you'll see different references to it. So God the Father prophesied of this day that his church would be born. He promised it. Jesus prophesied it. The Holy Spirit enabled it, and the church received it. On day one. So the standard has now been set for the rest of the scriptures. This is the template. This is what we can expect in our lives. The same power that they experienced is the same power we can expect in our lives. Now, why speaking in tongues? I mean, that sounds kind of weird, you know, like some kind of goofy cult thing. Well, it only sounds weird, weird if you're unfamiliar with the scriptures. It's, it tells us, let's see, let me ask you this question. Why would God want our tongues to be supernaturally empowered by his spirit? Why is that important? Let's go to James chapter 3. What is this all about? Is it some goofy thing that a cult started? Or is there really something to this that we need in our daily lives. I mean, are you willing to accept the words of God, the words of Christ over your tradition? You have to ask yourself that question. Am I willing to follow Christ even if that means turning and walking away from what I grew up with? I had to do that. I said yes, because I want Jesus more than man's tradition. So in James chapter 3, look what, look what James tells us. He said in verse 3, Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look also at ships, although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder, wherever the pilot desires. Verse 5, even so the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. The scriptures teach us that just like a ship, the direction of a huge ship is determined by a relatively small rudder. The direction of our lives is determined by our tongue. What do we mean by tongue? Our words. Do you understand when they say the scriptures say tongue? They're not talking about using your tongue to walk. They're talking about the words that you speak, right? Our words, God places extreme significance on our words. You ready for something powerful? Proverbs 18, verse 21 says, death and life. That's the whole gambit. That's the whole spectrum. Death and life Religion will tell you, well, that's, it's all in the hands of God. It's not what the scriptures teach. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. This is how God set it up. Your words determine the quality of your life and the quality of your future. God wants it to be abundant, but you've got to choose to speak his words over your life. Wow. Speaking is what separates us from the animals, one of the things, really. 
we can put what we're feeling, we can put what's going on inside into words. Our dog can't do that. Speaking is one of the key characteristics that separates God from the idols of the nations. They can't hear. They can't speak. Our God hears and our God speaks. He made us in his image to speak his words. Right? In Luke chapter 6, verse 45, Jesus said, Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Where does the Holy Spirit live? In your heart, right? When you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will rise up in you and empower your mouth to speak in a language your brain doesn't know. Why is that? Because your brain is very limited compared to your spirit. We live in Western culture, Western Europe and over here, where they began to exalt the brain many years ago. And the brain is esteemed. But the Bible says the heart is the mainspring of life. Your spirit is where the life is, not your brain. Many people are living by their brain and trying to follow God with their brain. God has given us a brain. We're thankful for it. But it's not who we are. It's a tool that we've been given to process things. You are a spirit. We want to walk in the spirit, not walk in the brain. All right? So so baptism of the Holy Spirit is a supernatural thing that gives us the ability to pray with our spirit without our brain getting in the way. Have you ever felt something inside, and, but you couldn't find the words to express it? Sure, we all have. Why is that? What happens there? It's like, <laughs> I don't know what to say. Because your spirit knows something that your brain can't process. Do you understand? That happens frequently. And God wants to, to, to super, give you a supernatural ability to speak words to him without your brain limiting you. It's called speaking in tongues. Okay, we're going to look at some examples of this. Before we do, let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Paul explains this very well. He talks about praying with your spirit or praying with your understanding. We need to do both. It's good to pray with our understanding, with our brain, but it's also good to pray in tongues, to pray in the spirit. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 14, Paul says, For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. What is it then? I will pray with the Spirit, and I will pray with the understanding also. We need to do both. Don't sacrifice one for the other. I will sing with the Spirit, and I will sing with the understanding also. Great illustration of what we do as New Testament believers. We pray in the Spirit, and we pray with the understanding. And I'll tell you, the more you pray in the Spirit, the better your understanding gets. It's amazing how it, the understanding in your spirit begins to seep into your conscious, into your understanding as you pray in the Spirit. And you'll even begin to uh, in, sometimes interpret it. Uh, Jude, Jude chapter 1, there's only one chapter in Jude, but verse 20 says it this way, But you, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. When you pray in the Spirit, you will, you will receive, a, you'll experience an edification inside. 
a building up of your faith, a refreshing that nothing else can give you. It's very powerful. Now, let's look at some examples um, of some people in the scriptures. Well, we already saw last week the original disciples were born again, and they weren't baptized in the Holy Spirit. Let's look at some other people in the book of Acts who were born again, but not baptized in the Holy Spirit to help us understand this a little bit. Acts chapter 8. And I want you to consider, if you haven't been baptized in the Holy Spirit, I want you to consider receiving it today. We're going to give some time here in just, just a little bit to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 8. So be just thinking right now. Have you been baptized? The evidence, how do I know if I've been baptized in the Holy Spirit? I can speak in tongues. See? If you can't speak in tongues, you haven't received it yet. God makes it simple, not difficult, not confusing or mysterious. Okay? Acts chapter 8. This is verse 14 now. And it says, now when the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John, who when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. Verse 16, for as yet he was fallen upon none of them. Well, they received the word of God, didn't they? But they didn't have the Holy Ghost yet. Only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. See, you can be baptized in water, baptized through faith in Christ, but have not received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So Peter and John says in verse 17, then they laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Ghost. And look at verse 18, it says when Simon, that's not Simon Peter, that's Simon the sorcerer, you can learn about that earlier in Acts chapter 8, he saw that through the laying on the apostles' hands, the Holy Ghost was given, so he offers them money for that gift. He says, give me, here, I'll, give, I'll pay you whatever if I can have that gift. What did he see? What did he observe? He, they were speaking in tongues. He said, well, it doesn't say that there. The, the template, the standard's already been set in Acts chapter 2. That's the template for the New Testament church. Okay? So the template's already been set. They, although it doesn't specifically say that there, we know that it, they did. That's what happens when you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Let me show you some more examples to help you understand. Let's go to Acts chapter 10. We don't have time to go through the whole chapter, but we'll start in verse 44. But this is when Peter's staying in Joppa at the Simon the Tanner's house, and God gives him a vision and tells him to go with these men to Cornelius' house. Cornelius is not a Jew. He's a Roman. Uh, Italiano, maybe, huh? And, uh, and he tells him to go to his house and preach the gospel to them. Acts chapter 10, verse 44. So it says, while Peter yet spoke these words, so he's teaching them the gospel, preaching the gospel that Jesus gave him in Mark 16, right? Mm -hmm. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they'll cast out demons. They'll speak in new tongues. Peter's preaching what he, Jesus told him to preach. So what happens when you preach that? The Holy Ghost fell on all them, which heard the word. And they of the circumcision, that means the, the Jewish people that were with Peter, which believed were astonished. As many as came with Peter, they didn't think that Gentiles could receive the Holy Spirit, those who were not Jewish. Because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. How did they know it was poured out? What's verse 46 say? For they heard them speak with tongues. The standard's already been set in Acts chapter 2. Okay? They heard them speak with tongues. That's how they knew. And magnify God. They an then answered Peter, Can any man forbid water? They weren't baptized in water yet. 
that these should not be baptized which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we. And I can relate to this. This is how it happened in my life. I put my faith in Christ. I was baptized into Christ through faith. Then not long after that, I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Then sometime later, I was baptized in water. Okay, that's the three baptisms that's talking about right here. All right? Acts chapter 11. Now Peter's back in Jerusalem. Okay? We're going to start in verse 15. And he's telling them, he's telling the apostles, the disciples, what happened at Cornelius' house. And as I began to speak, the Holy Ghost fell on them, as on us at the beginning. What is he doing? Referring to the standard. He's not throwing that standard away and coming up with a new gospel. They go by the standard that God sets, not man's religion. Okay? Very important because there are, there are uh, you know, some that will teach that what happened to the, uh, the, uh, the apostles on the day of Pentecost was just for them so God could kickstart the church. And, but it's not for us today. You won't find that in the Bible because it's not true. Okay? We go by the standard God has set. All right? So Peter refers to the standard. Verse 16, then remembered I the word of the Lord, how that he said, John indeed baptized with water, water baptism, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. For as much then as God gave them the like gift as he did unto us, referring to that standard again, who believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, what was I that I could withstand God? Yeah, good job, Peter. Who am I to say, no, they shouldn't speak in tongues. No, they shouldn't be baptized. God set this up. The Father promised this. It's the heart of God that we can speak spirit to spirit to Him. He wants spirit to spirit intimacy. Okay? Let's look at two more scriptures. Acts 15. This is also in Jerusalem. There's a lot of disputing going on here because about the Gentiles and, 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 and what's required. And verse 7, And when there had been much disputing, Peter rose up and said unto them, Men and brethren, you know how that a good while ago God made choice among us, that the Gentiles by my mouth should hear the word of the gospel. Mark 16, the gospel Jesus gave them, right? And these signs shall follow those who believe. And believe, verse 8, And God, which knoweth the hearts, bear them witness giving them the Holy Ghost, even as he did unto us. And how did they know? Remember back in Acts uh, chapter 10? For they spoke with other tongues, right? And put no difference between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. Religion will put difference between you and the early apostles and tell you you don't have the same spirit. You don't have the same power. Jesus didn't say that. He said, anyone who has faith in me, John 14, 12 through 14, will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these. Wow. See, Jesus brings us up to where he is. Religion puts you down to where man is. It says in Ephesians that we've been seated with Christ in heavenly places. See, God wants to take you higher, not lower. One more reference, and then we're going to pray. We'll give you a chance to receive this. Acts chapter 19. Now, this is Paul now. Paul, was he one of the original apostles? No, uh, he came later. He wasn't there on the day of Pentecost. He didn't receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but he had an encounter with Christ later. 
Jesus appeared to him and taught to him personally the gospel. All right, and he received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Well, now he's in Ephesus, and he meets some disciples in Acts chapter 19. And in verse 2, he says, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? So this is a priority to Paul, isn't it? He just meets these disciples. What's the first thing out of his mouth? Have you received the Holy Ghost? We need the power of the Holy Spirit to live this life successfully. Not according to the the world's definition of success, but according to the abundant life that God has for us. All right? First thing out of his mouth, have you received the Holy Ghost? And they said unto him, we have not so much as heard whether there be an Holy Ghost. And he said unto them, unto what then were you baptized? They said, John's baptism. Then said Paul, John baptized with the baptism of repentance saying unto the people that you should believe on him which should come after him, that is on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came upon them. And what happens when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit? And they spoke with tongues and prophesied. All right? We can continue time-wise. We want to give some time for prayer here. So the biblical evidence, according to the scriptures and Jesus, is of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is speaking in other tongues. And Jesus said, it's for all who believe. These signs will follow those who believe. This may be new to you, I don't know. This might be weird or strange or odd to you. But hopefully looking through the scriptures help to clear that up. Because just like Paul, I want you to receive the Holy Ghost in your life. Now, if you're born again, he's already living in you. But I want to encourage you to surrender your tongue to him. And Jennifer, would you come up here? Now, my wife grew up in a church um, where they taught that this was not for us, that that was only for the apostles. And back in uh, 1996, I think you received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. 95, maybe. But um, it was a new thing for her, and she had to learn about what is this. You know, she was born again. She was baptized in Christ. She was baptized in water, but had never received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And we were talking about it yesterday, and I like the way that you explained it to me. She said, you know, it was really I had to surrender my mouth, my tongue to him. That was the challenge for her. Can I give my, my whole self to him, my tongue to him? The tongue, though your words, see, when, when your words are in line with God, the rest of your life will go yes, yes. in God's direction. Okay, that's why it's so important. So how do you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? There are some say you've got to wait for it. You don't have to wait for it. The only reason the original disciples had to wait for it is because they hadn't come yet. Okay? But once he came on the day of Pentecost, he never left. Okay? All you have to do is believe it. That's all you have to do is receive it. And it's just to illustrate to you before I, I invite you to receive it yourselves, there's no waiting. There's no trying to speak in tongues. It's just believing. And it's, it's letting the Holy Spirit empower your spirit to pray. So when I remember, the, this is back in 1989, when I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I mean, I thought, how am I going to do this? I only studied two years of French in high school. I thought, what am I going to say? I didn't understand. But yeah, yeah, that's the brain trying to figure this out, right? 
But I went up and I received it, you know, and, and it, was, it was a very powerful time in my life. And now I pray in the spirit. And I'm just going to share with you an example of that. So what they explained to me, and I thought it was good, when you come to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you can do it in your own house, or you can do it here this morning. You just begin to worship God. And you say, Holy Spirit, baptize me. And you begin to speak praises unto him. In, in, your, in your primary language, if that's English or wherever you're from, just begin to worship him. And then surrender your mouth to him, and you will notice the Holy, you will notice you begin to speak in another language. I don't know what language. I don't know how many languages there are in the world. There's a bunch of them. There are a bunch of languages that are no longer spoken anymore. Okay? But my language, so what happened to me? I began to speak. Now I don't. I can't interpret what I've just said. Well, I probably could if I waited a little bit, but we don't have time for that. But my spirit, inside I'm going, my spirit's going, you know, this is good. And I'll do that sometimes, 15 minutes, driving somewhere. I'll just pray in the spirit. And man, am I refreshed. I'm building myself up on my most holy faith. Okay, and there are times I'm, I don't know what to do in my life. There's a decision I need to make, and I could go this way or that way. I'll pray in the Spirit for a while, and that answer will rise up, and there it is. It's so powerful. It, it, take advantage of this, all right? It's for you, okay? Did that help understand these last couple of weeks? All right. Now, is there anyone here that would like to be baptized in the Holy Spirit? At Highway Church, we want to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ and experience the abundant life He came to give you. We invite you to take God at His word, embrace who He is, what He's done for you, and who you are in Him. Put your trust in Him today and taste and see how good He is.